Hello from Classical KUCO. This is Spotlight on the Arts, where we take a moment to talk with local artists, performers, composers, conductors, and leaders on the many special activities and challenges taking place within our community. I'm your host, Paul Nesper. For our October 5th episode, we sit down with maestro Alexander Micklethwaite, who will be leading the UCO Symphony Orchestra in their opening concert October 10th. We'll then sit down with Adam and Jenny Brand of Theatre Crude to talk about the 5th Annual Fringe Festival. We'll then sit down with Dr. Brian Lamb, Director of Bands at UCO, and composer Danny Hansen about their semester opening concert. Royce McClary then joins me to talk about the Donald Quartet returning to Christ the King Catholic Church to open chamber music in Oklahoma's season. I then talk with Amanda Bleakley and Jan Hutchinson and discuss October's first Friday on the 6th and new shows opening in the Paseo. Finally, we'll sit down with Dr. Carl Nelson, Director of Choral Studies at UCO, along with his TA, Luis Vasquez, to discuss their opening concert and their charitable collaboration. As we like to say, let's put a spotlight on the arts here in Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCL comes from Chamber Music in Oklahoma, presenting Quartet Danelle, Sunday, October 8th at 4 p.m. at Christ the King Catholic Church, performing music by Schubert, Weinberg, and Mendelssohn. Concerts are sponsored by the Mark Allen Everett Foundation. More information at cmlk.org. Welcome back to Spotlight. My first guest today is Maestro Alexander Micklethwaite, artist-in-residence at the University of Central Oklahoma, who will be leading the University of Central Oklahoma Symphony Orchestra in their semester opening concert on October 10th at 7.30 p.m. at the newly renovated Mitchell Hall on the campus of UCO. Alexander, welcome back to Spotlight. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, we are having you in your capacity as artist in residence at UCO. You That's are right. conducting the symphony orchestra and as well teaching some conducting classes, if I'm remembering that correctly. So what's the experience been like at UCO so far? Yes, no, I'm really excited. When I started actually 2018 in Oklahoma um, with the Philharmonic, I since then I'm looking a little bit, you know, for a university position in a way. Just I love working with the next generation, I must say. It's really exciting and inspiring. So we started a Beginning of January, in a way, with UCO. And the first semester, I mean, the spring semester was really about recruitment. I went to like a whole bunch of different middle schools, high schools, talked about UCO. And yes, and from middle of August on, I'm conducting the UCO Symphony, and it is a blast. It's really, really exciting. I know how much uh, the kids are, are absolutely loving having you there. I still keep in contact with some of my old students and I know they're just thrilled to have you, and I'm, I'm sure it's got to be just thrilling for them to have the conductor of the Oklahoma City Philharmonic teaching them. That, that's, that's, that's such a great experience for them. What, uh, what all is going to be on this program that will be next Tuesday, October the 10th? Yes, so this is our first concert with the UCO Symphony. I have four different concerts. We have four symphony concerts. Um, they're all in Mitchell Hall in Edmond, part of UCO, beautiful hall. And um, next Tuesday is our classical, I guess, opener. We're starting with Beethoven Fidelio Overture and then Mozart, I'm sorry, Beethoven Fidelio Overture, Haydn Trumpet Concerto, Haydn Trumpet Concerto, and then Mozart Symphony Number no. 40, the G Minor Symphony. And I thought I would start out the season with just the bread and butter, like where everything started out from, you know, where everything started with um, the classics. And um, there is so much to work on. And uh, so we have actually two level orchestras, which is also interesting. There are lots of uh, musicians, lots of students that are whose major is not music. They're forensic science. They are engineers, engineering majors. They're extremely smart and they want to keep playing their orchestra. And we can do that, of course. So they are, those guys are playing the Fidelio. Everybody's playing the Fidelio Overture and the Haydn Trauma Concerto. And then after intermission for the Mozart Symphony, we are going to have a little smaller chamber orchestra almost with uh, the mostly the students that really study their instruments. Now, who will be playing the solo on the Haydn? 
The, yes, so solo is Professor Ryan Sharp, the trumpet professor at UCO. He's fantastic. I thought, I mean, there's so many ways to start, I guess, and it's a little different with a triumphant, heroic, I guess, trumpet. I, I've i played in groups and quintets with Ryan, and, and that, that guy can put out some sound. And <laughs> Yes, he definitely can. And then, isn't funny, like, what is the one of the first instruments of humankind? I mean, there's a flute from, I think, 40,000 years ago. But I think the next is really in the Bible, right? 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, like the trumps. I know, it's wild. <laughs> the trumps and the harps. <laughs> I was really the first, and I like that. It's like something ancient about it. <laughs> I do too. And uh, and I, and obviously, I, I'm, I'm biased since I know uh, Dr. Sharp very well. Uh, but it, it, that's got to be that's going to be outstanding. I know that's going to be a great representation and a great way to to highlight the uh, the students. As someone who used to teach and perform, I found that when I would go from a professional level group to more of a student level group, that I would have to change my mindset. And it wasn't so much that music was better or worse in each group, but obviously when I'm with students. I'm there more as an instructional role, trying to help them better themselves. Whereas when I was in a professional or high level group, it was more I was just a, a, a cog in the machine. So, how do you how do you reconcile, or what are the challenges going from being in front of the Oklahoma City Philharmonic to then being in front of students who maybe one day will be in front of you in the Oklahoma City Philharmonic? That's well, a great question, and in a way with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, with professional orchestras in the United States in, in general, you have either four or sometimes five rehearsals, four, two and a half hour rehearsals, that's it. So everybody comes prepared. You basically play through the piece, through the work, and I mean, there's stuff to work on, but there's a certain higher level. And then it, the, con the rehearsal time is very concentrated, very fast um, and professional. Now with the students, uh, they have to learn to get to this point. And um, we had our first rehearsal, I guess, like in, in the end of August. And yeah, you just need patience to slowly uh, work, rehearse, like teach them how to practice, teach them how to rehearse, what to listen for, um, start with bowings, with fingerings, etc. And um, so it's a completely different process. But then it's also, it is very gratifying when you realize, wow, what a long way you've come with them and what they're capable of. Uh, so, yes, this coming Tuesday, it, it, it's, it, will be, it will be very exciting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, you know, the, 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 I've played with some relatively high-level groups, and I, I love those experiences. But, you know, when I think back to the highlights of, of my musical career, they're almost all just seeing my kids just play at a level that they didn't think they, they could achieve. And then when they did achieve it, you could just see the looks on their faces. And, and that's the most gratifying. Gratis Gratifying feeling in the world, easy for me to say. <laughs> no, you're right. And there's lots of little tricks, you know, where we can, to um, the Mozart, we will perform standing up to have a different perspective, like physically, actually. Nice. Um, then to have them lead, like have them in rehearsals, different players give the entrances. Um, I stop in the rehearsals, have them give feedback that they learn, oh, what did I just play? <laughs> what did I, what can I do better? Where exactly can I do better? You know, all those little details that we take for granted as uh, professional musicians, they have to learn. So that part is like, for me, the creative rehearsal part that I really enjoy. Because at the end of the day, they're students because they don't know what they don't know. And if we don't tell them what they need to know, how are they supposed to know that? <laughs> Very nice. But, but, but you're absolutely right. Because yeah. if, if we're not telling them, hey, this is how to be a professional... How are they going to figure out other than maybe with bad experiences, which yeah. you can learn your lesson, but sometimes if you have a bad experience, it may it may turn you away. That's super cool. Can you uh, give us any highlights for the other concerts that will be coming down the rest of the semester? Yeah, so the other concerts um, have – I'm connecting with each concert with a different part of the school. So the December 5th concert, um, we are connecting with a, with a jazz lab, and we're going to perform – Two movements from Wynton Marsalis' Swing Symphony with actually the jazz students. That's in awesome. Combination. And then we're doing William Grant's Still African American Symphony, one of those major works from the, I think it's from the 30s. Absolutely fantastic. Um, then we are going in March. It's all about the school of, uh, the College of Design itself. And we have the students of the design students of Keith Webb uh, write, no, not write, um, create visuals to Mussorgsky's pictures at an exhibition. 
So this is going to happen. And then we also have Jared Tate, Chickasaw composer, doing one of his works. And the last concert is all about the choirs. So here we connect with Carl Nelson and the choirs. And yeah. I just that makes me so happy to hear just that you're able to kind of it, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic, where you're trying to bring in various people very throughout the community to have them collaborate with the Philharmonic. And in this case, various colleges and, and departments within the University of Central Oklahoma yeah. to bring them all together with the Symphony Orchestra. That's incredible. Good for you. Yeah, I'm really happy. It'll be fun. Well, Alexander, I appreciate you so much being here today on Spotlight. Thank you for coming down. We look forward to our future conversations with you. Thank you really very much. Thank you, Paul. Coming up next, Adam and Jenny Brand of Theater Crude to talk about the 5th Annual Fringe Festival. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma Securities Department, advising caution when urged to make impulsive financial decisions while experiencing uncertainty, fear, or grief. More at investedok.org or 405-280-7700. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Adam and Jenny Brand with Theater Crude. They will be putting on the 5th Annual Fringe Festival October 5th through October 14th at OK Shakespeare in the Paseo District. The Theater Crude Fringe Festival is an event in Oklahoma City every fall showcasing creative and adventurous local performing artists as well as fantastic performing artists from across the country. Jenny, Adam, welcome back to Spotlight. Thanks Thank you so much us. for having us. I'm excited to sit down and talk with you all today. We have the Fringe Festival coming up October 5th through the 14th at Oklahoma Shakespeare. As we get started, this is the fifth year of the festival. Do I have that correct? That is correct. What is this festival all about? This festival is all about fringe theater. So what that means is every piece is an hour or less. It's a lot of new and exciting work made by both local and national artists. As a patron, you can show up watch a show, and then come out, hang out in the lobby for a hot minute, and then go back into the exact same space and see an entirely different show. So we have uh, 16 different productions in our lineup, as well as uh, some free events as well. Are there any specific local uh, artists or playwrights that we are featuring? We have Cat Pitt is doing a show this year, as well as Rodney Brazil, our kind of mainstays in the community. We have some brand new people who are participating as well. It's a wide variety. Part of what we try to do is give everybody equal footing. Uh, So we don't have headliners. We don't have opening acts. There's just the smorgasbord that is the Fringe Festival, and you can come in and enjoy little bite-sized pieces of different styles and genres and performance types and stories and voices and everything and anything that we could find. So that actually leads in pretty nicely to the next question that I was going to ask is what can our classical KUCO's listeners uh, expect to experience from this event? And it sounds like they can expect to experience just about anything. The thing that we like to tell people to do is look through our website, find something that interests you, and then just stay for the next one. Don't care. Don't worry about what it is. Uh, You might love it. You might hate it, but it's taking that chance on something new. So For your audiences, you're most likely going to want to check out the new Oklahoma operas by Opera on Tap, OKC. They are doing three 10-minute operas, so that should be a good time. They premiered these earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so come check that out, and then whatever is happening next, just stick around see it. That's the whole point of the festival. Try try new things. Comedy and drama and horror and an illusionist, uh, a mind reader, I should say. (laughs) We have... Young people participating, we have old people participating, we have everyone in between, so it's a smorgasbord. Yeah, it sounds like there's literally something for everyone, whether you want to laugh or be spooked or maybe have your mind read, it sounds (laughs) Is there a particular event or production that you guys specifically are looking forward to? I don't know about anybody else. I'm really looking forward to um, Big Dad Energy by Jamie Campbell. He came and participated in our festival in 2019, and I was blown away by his work. 
I'm so excited that he's going to be back. He's basically a stand-up comic, and the piece that he's bringing is a comedy about fatherhood by a guy who has no children. Um, so it's it's about uh, it's a stand-up comedy special, but the focus is on aging and recognizing that uh, having your own children is probably not in your future, and uh, taking that with with a comedic bent. Um, so I'm really looking forward to his piece. If you're a social media type person, you can go on social media and you can look for Jamie Campbell Pineapple Pizza mm-hmm. to get a little snippet of mm-hmm. what he talks about in the show. He's also uh, was recently featured with Kristen Chenoweth on the Super Bowl commercial where uh, oh, yeah. she played. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the guy. Yeah. yeah. The guy. Yeah, yeah with the Kristen Chenoweth hanging with off of him. Kristen Chenoweth hanging off of him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Collective Arts Puppet Circus for Oklahoma. Clearly, that title, if that doesn't bring you in, I don't know what will. Uh, But it's great. It's a whole bunch of recent OU grads uh, talking about being a young person in Oklahoma, but with puppets and songs and dancing and clowning. It is, it's great. Beyond the Fringe Festival, what other events does your organization support uh, throughout the year that our classical KUCO listeners can keep an eye out for? Well, in the early months of the year, we do smaller events. This last year, they were all at OK Cider. Uh, They are nice. They're just ways to dip your toe into trying something new. So we did quick 10-minute plays where we gave some playwrights a prompt, and then they had a week to write something, and then some actors showed up the day before the performance, read through it, and then they performed it live in front of an audience. So just quick, like... Uh, We told somebody, hey, you have to write a show based on the phrase, uh, what do I know? And then they would write a 10-minute play about that because people are creative and brilliant, and we love it. We also did five-fifths of Twister, where we took the movie Twister, we broke it into five parts, and we gave it to five different groups. They didn't talk to each other at all, and then we smashed those five parts together, and it was a brilliant ride of strict parody to prop comedy to poetry to dance and there was drag thrown in there as well somehow amazing it was great what i appreciate the most is that you bring it to the people and and there there are some other organizations uh that that do that similarly and i think you know especially in the 21st century as as artists as thespians as people who value performing arts like you got to bring it to the people I love that you guys do that. That's incredible. Where can our classical KUCO listeners go to learn more about the organization, to buy tickets, and to see all the things that you all will be doing in the coming months? So the best place is our website, theatercrude.org. That's theater, R-E, and crude like the oil, C-R-U-D-E. Theatercrude.org forward slash tickets is where you can find the ticket information. Or between October 5th and 14th, Come down basically any time, pick up a flyer, come and see some shows at Oklahoma Shakespeare. Last thing that I wanted to ask is, obviously, with this being your fifth year, what have you learned in these five years, and what do you hope to take from that over the next five years? People are brilliant and unpredictable. Yeah, uh, it has been an absolute ride. We're so delighted to still be here five years later. And we are constantly amazed by the work that is coming out of both our local artists and the national scene. And for me, the best part is being able to be part of the artistic process, especially with theater. The process isn't complete until there's an audience in front of it. This is the audience's chance to influence uh, the next generation of the greats. It's festivals like ours that are the engines of uh, the ingenuity of, of the performing arts. Jenny, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next, Dr. Brian Lamb, director of bands at the University of Central Oklahoma, and composer Danny Hansen. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Stillwater Cancer Center, recommending annual lung cancer screening for adults 50-plus that are or have been smokers. Appointments and benefits of early detection at stillwatermedical.com. Close to home. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests are Dr. Brian Lamb, director of bands at UCO, and composer Dr. Danny Hansen. 
the UCO Wind Symphony will present their concert titled Premieres, All New Music for Wind Bands, on Thursday, October 5th at 7.30 p.m. in Mitchell Hall Theater, and will present all new works for wind band, including Dr. Hansen's world premiere titled Elegy. Brian, Danny, welcome to Spotlight. Thanks. It's great to be here. I know you're musicians because you did that right on cue together. That was outstanding. We have the uh, season opening concert for the UCO Wind Symphony happening tonight. It is a concert of all premieres. So right. let me ask you this, Brian. I know you're a champion of, of new works in the wind band medium. So what led you to program the opening concert with all brand new pieces of music? Well, for several years, we've been involved in several commissioning consortiums. And so I have music that we helped finance or fund uh, the creation of. And uh, so I just thought maybe if we put this all on one concert, it would be great. And the whole thing actually centered around Danny's elegy. uh, when, When I decided really to put this on the first concert, and I knew that this would be a world premiere, I thought, well, we could premiere some of these other works that we've contributed to over the last several years. And I know it's really a, a very varied and eclectic program. We've got uh, Wynton Marsalis, uh, some compositions of his, as well as some of these other new premieres. So what kind of led you to pick those other pieces outside of Danny's Elegy? Uh, truly, it was part of the commissioning consortium Sweet. and then just try, trying to figure out what would be a great concert opener and what would be a really great ending You know, to sandwich around. I think the Danny's piece is pretty deep and full of structure and form and and really great stuff. It's well-crafted, and so I wanted to kind of sandwich that uh, between some other very approachable pieces. And that's awesome. Just, yeah, the the ability to have approachable music that anybody can get into is always a great thing, and it should be an outstanding concert. Now, I know the last time I was at Mitchell Hall, it was still a little bit under construction, but if I'm understanding correctly— Construction's finished? Yeah, all new seats uh, and new aisles oh. <laughs> on the ground floor. So I think you'll be able to get to your seat easy, easier. So we mentioned we have Danny Hansen here in studio. We're excited to have you. You are premiering your elegy. I would think of that as a reflective piece, lots of emotion. What went into the compositional process in writing elegy? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Brian said that the piece is, uh, has some structural points of interest and is is sort of well-crafted, which I appreciate. Um, But I tend to be a pretty absolute music composer, which means I don't write my music with some sort of story in mind. And so to the extent possible, I'm always trying to think of harmony, melody, and texture and form on their own terms and tell this story through those mediums. Coming up with the title is something that happens, I guess, on the back end of the composition process. And Elegy seemed like a suitable title because it is it it does evoke emotions that we associate with elegies um, but I also didn't think it was overly programmatic it seems like a good title for a, a an absolute work of music fascinating fascinating I read that as a young musician you were a guitar player as well as a tuba player in wind bands and it was about the age of 18 or 19 when you got to college at Western Washington University, that you started to really utilize the piano as well and had that become part of your compositional process. I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that and how you utilize it in your compositional process on top of using things like computers that many of us use these days to compose. Yeah, so I think um, to answer that, I'll back up a little bit. And I did grow up playing guitar And the guitar is not the most intuitive instrument to learn music theory on, Um, whereas the piano, you know, it maps nicely onto the staff. And so there's when you put your hands on the keyboard, there's like a real tactile representation of what you're seeing on the grand staff. Um, And along with that, there's just, you know, there's there are the 88 keys and that's a very full range. So even if I'm not composing at the keyboard, like studying spacings and the way the different registers interact, that comes from some experience on the piano that I wouldn't have been able to get had I only studied composition by playing tuba or guitar or by, you know, looking at the music. Um, Really being able to see the distance between the notes and to hear them and to play them has, has really been helpful. So I, I go back and forth between composing at the piano and composing at like a, a computer. 
um, but also composing without either of those. And I think finding a balance of those three approaches is, it's hard to find the sweet spot, but there is a sweet spot there to be found. You know, the beauty and the curse of technology is it, it's, it has made some things easier, but I do think it has taken away the soul of some things. And just being able to sit down at a piano or sit down with a blank sheet of staff paper and a, and a pencil and just, you know, writing down what you hear and what you feel, that, that's, that can't really be replaced by a computer or, or AI or, you know, that's kind of the big debate right now. Whether it's the Elegy or any of your music, what do you hope people take away when they hear a piece written by you? I just hope that they can connect to the melodies and harmonies and experience it in a way that relates to the way that they are used to experiencing music, you know, in the ballpark of the way they're used to experiencing music, which is to say that I don't really consider myself to be much of an experimentalist or an avant-gardist, at least compared to my friends and colleagues. I I tend to uh, emulate the older forms. Elegy, for instance, is, I'd say the form is something like a a 19th century uh, intermezzo, perhaps by Brahms, you know. That's not reflected in the harmony so much, but the the overall uh, clarity of the ABA structure, I think, is, so so that's to say, fairly traditional, but still you can tell that it wasn't written a hundred years ago, I think. That's that's really interesting, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, Brian, I have to ask, how did you and Danny come to form this partnership and play his elegy as a world premiere at the University of Central Oklahoma? He sent me an email with the score and a MIDI realization of the piece and said, would you consider performing the piece? And I listened before I looked at the score, and I thought, there's something here. I'd, I'd love to be able to give a premiere of the piece and, and perform it. So, And plus, I'm always interested in meeting new composers and collaborating with composers in person, bringing them to campus and letting them interact with the students. And, and that's really important. So that's how it happened. Brian, Danny, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next, Royce McClary with Chamber Music in Oklahoma. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts in Stillwater, announcing trumpeter Chris Bodie playing alongside an ensemble of musicians for an evening of jazz and crossover tunes, Friday, October 13th. Full programming and ticket information available at mcknightcenter.org. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guest is Royce McClary with Chamber Music in Oklahoma. They will feature the return of the Donnell Quartet in their season opening concert on Sunday, October 8th at 4 p.m. at Christ the King Catholic Church, 8005 Dorset Drive in Oklahoma City. Royce, welcome back to Spotlight. Yeah, thanks very much. Good to be here. Well, I'm excited to sit down and talk with you. Chamber Music in Oklahoma, you are about yep. to kick off your 2023-2024 season. We are starting things off at 4 p.m. on October 8th, 2023. You will be featuring Quatuor Donnell. Also known as the Donnell Quartet. At Christ the King Catholic Church here in Oklahoma City. So what can you tell us about this group? I know they've been around for over 30 years. Yeah, in fact, they're, they're actually starting, uh, they're well into their fourth decade. They actually were established in 1991. They are, well, they've, they've been quartet in residence at the University of Manchester since 2005. And since 2016, in residence at Tivoli Vredenburg, which is a contemporary music complex located in Utrecht, Netherlands. Now, what can we expect from uh, the Danel Quartet? I know uh, in the brochure we see that they will play uh, string quartets from Haydn, Beethoven, Schubert, Shostakovich, so a lot of variety. Well, in this concert, they'll start off with the Schubert string quartet. Nice. The Austrian, great Austrian composer Franz Schubert, who was born in 1797 and lived to 1828. Some great chamber music from Schubert. Oh, yeah. He wrote, he wrote, he was very prolific. I mean, he... For his young age, he didn't live to be that old, but he really produced. They're playing quartet number 10 in E-flat major, opus 125, which Schubert composed in 1813. 
And actually, it was first uh, privately performed in the Schubert household when Schubert was 16 years old. And uh, so its nick its nickname is the Household Quartet, just because it was first performed at their home. And it's uh, it's it's called a homotonal work because all movements are in E flat major. So okay. It's, uh, but it's it's a it's a wonderful quartet. Looking forward to hearing that. Also on the program is a piece by Mieczysław Weinberg. He's well known, but it's we but you don't hear his quartets every day actually. And and so I'm looking forward to hearing this. He was uh, born in 1919 and died in 1996. He was a Polish, Jewish, and Soviet uh, composer. And uh, his this quartet number 16 that they're playing in A-flat a minor, opus 130, he actually composed in 1981. And actually, Weinberg dedicated this quartet to the memory of his sister, Esther, who was killed during the Holocaust. Now, Weinberg, that composer... Uh, never studied with Shostakovich. However, Shostakovich was a great inspiration for Weinberg, and uh, Shostakovich encouraged Weinberg's career on many occasions. They were they were friends, so nice. and they're and some of Weinberg's music is really compared could have been written by Shostakovich. I mean, they're not the same, but they're but they were both some of the great artists from from that part of the world. So would it be like maybe sort of like a neoclassical style, and that's and that's how they're similar. Obviously, yeah. you know, uh, Shostakovich, especially known for. Uh, just the the persecution that he was under for so many years of his life and fleeing uh, yeah, Russia. I think Weinberg's music has a lot of religious tone to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you'll hear that in this piece on Sunday. It's got a very Jewish uh, background. And then also, finally on the program, the last piece is by uh, the composer Mendelssohn, Felix oh. Mendelssohn. We all know Mendelssohn. Yes, yes, yes. Born in 1809, died in 1847. They're playing the quartet in F minor, opus 80, composed in 1847. It was actually the last major piece Mendelssohn uh, completed before he died two months later on November 4th, 1847. The first public performance of this Mendelssohn quartet uh, was on November 4th, 1848 at the Leipzig Conservatory with the famous violinist, uh, Joseph Joachim playing the violin. So nice. It's a it's a it's a wonderful piece. It's believed that he Mendelssohn wrote this piece as an homage to his sister Fanny, who had died on May, uh, May 14th in 1847. Uh, Mendelssohn's another one of my favorite composers. Uh, just such a brilliant job bridging the gap between the end of the classical era as as we lead into the romantic era. And I would have loved to have seen what uh, they could have done had they had another 20, 25 years into that period. Absolutely. What are you most excited about for this concert? It sounds like uh, it might be the the Weinberg, but uh, is it, or is yeah. it just the the fact that we have the Dental Quartet coming to yeah. Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm I'm just so much looking for, forward to hearing them again. They've been here before, and they're they're a wonderful, just a, a fantastic uh, one of the world one of the world's finest string quartets. So we're very lucky to have them. I noticed, and, and I want to give you a chance to talk about some of the other programs that uh, Chamber of Music in Oklahoma is going to be featuring this year, but I've noticed it's a lot of string quartets, and we have a pianist. So, yep. obviously, Chamber of Music, that's what a lot of the Chamber of Music over you know history has been written. So, what goes into kind of programming a, a, a season for Chamber of Music in Oklahoma? We're very lucky to have a person who is in charge of that, Harry Miller, and he really looks over what's offered by this... Uh, like Man- management, yes, yeah. uh-huh. and uh, he he basically comes up with what he thinks would be good for the programs for the for this season and next season, and all the seasons following. He does a really wonderful job of of just uh, trying to put things together. He thinks would be really interesting for the for our audience. Well, and what I appreciate is the fact that you've just been able to bring in groups from literally all over the world. Sure. This year, we've got one from Europe. Uh, or actually a couple from Europe. We've got one from Shanghai. What other groups can our classical KUCO listeners expect to come in through the chamber music in Oklahoma this season? Okay, we've got the Ariel Quartet on November 5th. They've been here before, too. They're wonderful. Nice. The Parker Quartet, this will be another visit. They've been here before, yeah, right? Absolutely, and that's, yeah, on, yeah. that's on February 4th. Then we've got, you were right, we've got a pianist, Orion Weiss, on March 3rd. And then the Shanghai Quartet, on April 21st, and uh, these concerts are all at 4 p.m. at Christ the King Catholic Church. Absolutely, and where can our classical KUCO listeners go to learn more information about 
uh, Chamber Music in Oklahoma or to buy tickets or to get more involved with Chamber Music in Oklahoma? Visit the website, cmok.org, that you can get all your information there. And uh, by the way, tickets are $20 at the door. Students are admitted free of charge. And if a teacher brings a student, the teacher is also admitted free of charge. Also, you can, you can buy a season pass for $90, and that would include all five concerts. Royce, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next, Amanda Bleakley and Jan Hutchinson with the Paseo Arts Association. Please stay with us. Support for KUCO comes from Oklahoma Securities Department, providing investor protection through education and enforcement of Oklahoma securities laws. More at securities.ok.gov. Spotlight. My next guests are Amanda Bleakley, Executive Director of the Paseo Arts Association, and Pastelist Jan Hutchinson. October's first Friday in the Paseo happens October 6th, and the Paseo Arts and Creativity Center will be opening two new shows, in Gallery 1, Soul Object, and in Gallery 2, the Oklahoma Pastel Society Show. Amanda, Jan, welcome back to Spotlight. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. We have two new shows opening, and we have our first Friday walk tomorrow, October the 6th. So, in Gallery 1, we have a new show called Soul Object, Recycled, Reused, Reshared. What can you tell us about that? Yes, it's exciting every time they have a show with us. It's really interesting to see what they have come up with. Mark Brzezinski and Stephanie Brzezinski, they're not married. So they're a brother and sister-in-law. They're both artists that have shared love for found objects And they do assemblage and collage where they find things and they put spirit and soul back into them. It's really fun to to see the things that they can put together and create create an image that tells a story. So I walked around and looked at them yesterday and I get such a kick out of them. They're, They're fun, they're funny, they're poignant and interesting. So... I, I recommend coming by and checking them out. There is a they're inspired by tranquility of the Asian culture that often have overlooked backgrounds, colors, textures, shapes, and negative spaces in everyday printed materials. So very fun pieces that you could buy for a friend. It's really great art that that you want to either buy for yourself or give a gift. And in Gallery 2, we are welcoming back the Oklahoma Pastel Society. Really excited to have them back again. And here with me today, I brought Jan Hutchinson. And so uh, she can tell us a little bit something about the show that we have this year. Tell us a little bit about the Oklahoma Pastel Society, uh, formed in 2003 as the right. Central Oklahoma Organization of Pastelists. Yes. And that was the on- and is the only organization like that in the state. Do I have that correct? That's correct. That's outstanding. So tell us a little bit about it. Well, we are a group of passionate pastelists who like to get our hands dirty, and in my case, my face dirty normally (laughs) when we're painting. We have everything from nationally known award-winning artists to rank beginners who just come in and want to know about pastels and get started, and we're always happy to have them. We have a meeting twice every other month starting in January we always have an artist come in and do a demo for us and in the afternoon we do a little mini workshop where they can practice what they've seen during the day. So they can see an expert learn from them and then later in the day apply what they learned. Exactly. That's super cool and you said this happens every other month? Yes starting January and going through November. That's incredible. Do you all have a social media presence or a website that we can direct our classical KUCO listeners to if they choose to get involved with your organization? We do have a website, Oklahoma Pastel, and we also have a Facebook page where we're really active with posting when our meetings are, who the artists are that are going to be our demo workshop artists, and members, not even members, just 
members of our Facebook group post their art on there. We have members from all over the state of Oklahoma, and we have Facebook followers from actually all over the world. Yeah. So what kind of what got you into being a pastelist or utilizing pastels uh, in your art? I kind of segued from oils and drawing Great. and fell into this group of pastelists that got me hooked. And it's a very, it's the same pigment that's used in oil paint, but it's a dry form. Okay. And it's very immediate. You don't have to wait for it to dry. You can sit down and work for 15 minutes and wash your hands and go do something else. You don't have to clean up brushes. So it's an, a really nice medium portable to take with you as well as to work with in your whatever you happen to have available at home. That's awesome. And I've, I've said this a lot in front of Amanda, so I'm sorry for saying it again. I'm very ignorant when it comes to art, and I appreciate what Amanda does so people like me can get to experience different things. Like, I love art. I don't know anything about it. So I just love getting to sit down with people who have a passion for art that can just teach me. I feel like anecdotally I've seen an increase in people who are interested in utilizing pastels or or pastelists. Is this just something I'm observing with my friends and family, or do you feel like there's a movement that's happening right now? There is a movement. Pastels were used really always. The old masters used them for their drawings and initial studies. Mary Cassatt was a dedicated pastelist. You'll see some in the old masters. But it kind of waned in interest and now there's been a resurgence awesome okay so it's not i'm not just crazy you're not (laughs) well we we could well yeah (laughs) see amanda you are funny amanda are there any particular exhibits or exhibitors you're most looking forward to seeing and or anything new happening at the paseo arts and creativity center the paseo arts and creativity center studio artists are also going to be showing uh their work again in in Gallery 3, and plus there's a refresh. There'll be some new pieces. So I think what I... I always look forward to First Friday because it's a time of the month where everybody is invited to come out and walk the Paseo Arts District and see what we have to offer. Also, for people like you that don't know much about art, maybe they get to learn a little bit and because it's an opportunity to talk to the artists and ask them questions because... Not just in our space, but in many of the other other galleries, the artists are there. You can bring your kids or your family and learn about art. You can do some shopping. You can have dinner. It's an it's really a, make an evening of it. And if you do want to eat dinner, I recommend that you make a reservation. I say this every month because I don't want anybody to get upset with me. But uh, I was going to queue you up just it in case. does it does get busy. So uh, and then if you if you can't get in somewhere you can always go down to sauce and get a pizza and so it's just a really nice evening it's very chill it'll literally be chill we're finally getting some fall weather yeah so hopefully it will it will be a good walking weather also paul i want everyone to know that while we have a streetscape in progress a little construction that there is still plenty of parking and it's fairly easy to uh, navigate and then of course you can walk all over the, the district. And there is also signage if you need to go a different direction. But don't be afraid of it. We, we've we got plenty of space for everyone. That's outstanding. Yeah, come out. If you want more information about the Paseo Arts District, you can go to our website at thepaseo.org. If you want more information about the Paseo Arts Association, you can go to thepaaok.org. And... Before I leave you, Paul, I wanted to just to mention that we have our awards dinner November 16th and that tickets are on sale. So we have several uh, people that we are recognizing this year. The event is at the Skirvin Hilton Hotel and tickets are $85. And I just invite the community to come out and support the awardees and the Paseo Arts Association. Jan, Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. Coming up next... Carl Nelson, Director of Choral Studies at UCO, and graduate student Luis Vasquez. Please stay with us. The University of Central Oklahoma ranks as a top institution 
for its Masters of Public Administration program. The top accredited program prepares UCO students for their future at an affordable cost. Visit uco.edu to learn more. Welcome back to Spotlight. My next guests today are Dr. Carl Nelson, Director of Choral Studies at UCO, and his TA, Luis Vasquez. UCO Choirs will be presenting their concert titled Lending a Hand, Helping Others, and Accepting Support on Saturday, October the 7th at 7.30 p.m. in Mitchell Hall Theater. They will be collaborating with Angeles de Toulouse and accepting donations of toys to send to children in Venezuela this holiday season. Carl, Luis, welcome to Spotlight. Thank well, you. Thank you, Paul. We've got a lot going on with this first concert, including some charitable contributions that we'll talk about later in this interview. So first things first, what all is on this program? All this Saturday on October 7th, the UCO choirs are going to be presenting their fall choral concert. We have three choirs that are going to be performing. The University Choir, a combination of Cantalena and Cantare Choir, and then a Concert Chorale. All right, so we have a little, little, little female choir, a little male choir, effectively. And so they mix together and, and sing as a soprano, alto, tenor, bass choir, and uh, sometimes separately as well. Okay, so. all right, interesting. So a lot of different colors that you can present with that. Exactly, some nice timbres with the voice. So how do you go about selecting works when it's multiple choirs, and especially, I would assume, different ability levels, just depending on if they're a non-major versus a grad student? Well, we have auditions at the very beginning of the year, and so we do select the music based on where we think the students are, something that they might be able to achieve, and then also something that's going to be stretching them as well. But the main part is the text, and what kind of text are we trying to communicate, and how can our different choirs present those texts effectively and communicate them musically as well. What are some pieces that you're really looking forward to sharing with the audiences this weekend? Well, we have quite a few pieces. All of them have something to do with either helping another person, helping our neighbor, or um, and taking, accepting support for, uh, for life and things that we're going through. And some of the pieces that we're going to be performing is They Are Mother by Jennifer Lucy Cook, To Sit and Dream by Rosephanie Powell. The uh, text is from, by Langston Hughes. An exciting piece called Tutarana, uh, which is a Hindustani a scat piece really powerhouse. And we also are doing a Venezuelan piece as well, um, Ayudame, which is uh, Help Me. And it's written by uh, contemporary composer Carlos Cordero. We're going to be having a Zoom call with him, in fact, today. And we're really excited to hear his words and, and how he perceived this piece, really trying to describe the situation in Venezuela. And it really fits in with our theme also of helping others. We'll also be performing a spiritual called Death Come A-Knockin'. It's really a wonderful, fun, fun piece. Well, that's a wonderful segue because we have your uh, graduate student, Luis Vasquez, here in studio with us. Part of why we're here is because you're also partnering with a charity with this concert. It is Angeles en Tulsa, or Tulsa, and it is a toy drive to help provide Venezuelan children with gifts for the upcoming holiday season. How did this first come about, and then how did you decide to make this a collaboration? Yeah, so the charity pretty much started with uh, my mom, and she just kind of uh, saw that a lot of people from Venezuela were donating to two kids or just helping out in the country. You know, there's a lot of immigrants kind of spread all over the world, and we just do what we can to help. And so she just kind of realized, well, they're doing something, so why don't we do something too? And she reached out to some family members in Tulsa, and we just let one of the churches know that what we wanted to do and they were like well why don't you just come and do it at our church and and so we did and we got a lot of good people coming in to donate and stuff and we raised over like 800 toys and money and just all sorts of things so we've been doing that for about six years eight years nice and and you know it's and and we're starting to become like somewhat of a foundation that's kind of our goal so our end goal Absolutely. Do you guys have a, uh, a Facebook page or a website that we can direct our Classical KUCO listeners to if they'd like to get involved and make a donation? We have a Instagram called at Angeles um, underscore Tulsa. Okay. And basically that just translates to Angels of Tulsa. 
Now, Carl, I know it's the beginning of the school year, but I know you've got some great things planned for the choral program the rest of the semester. So can we get a little sneak preview of what else is to come after this Saturday's concert? Well, the choral program is has a very exciting schedule ahead. We've got our vocal jazz concert that's going to be at the Jazz Lab on November 14th. Nice. And we're going to be having a winter concert on December 2nd, the sad first Saturday of December. Uh, where all of our choirs are going to be performing some winter and holiday classics. That's going to be outstanding. And now, right. are these, I know you mentioned the, the jazz vocal group will be at the Jazz Lab, but for the uh, concert choirs, will they be at Mitchell Hall? Yes, they will. Uh, the newly renovated Mitchell newly Hall. Newly renovated. Looking forward to it. There's one word that keeps coming to my head during this conversation, and that's community. And I, I'm getting that from the title of the program, Lending a Hand and Helping Others. I'm also getting that from the partnering with the charitable organization Angeles de Tulsa. Why do you feel it is important for organizations and groups like yours to partner with other organizations in the greater Oklahoma City area? Well, I think it's uh, part of music's role is to bring people together. It's a language that's used throughout the world in different cultures, and uh, we can share that easily with each other through music. It gives us a better understanding of each other, the people that are living next to us, that are in our, within our state or even outside of the state or throughout the world. If we give ourselves the opportunity to open ourselves up to new ideas and uh, try to understand other people's perspectives, I think music can make this world a much smaller space. And when we understand that, then it becomes a lot easier to lend a hand to help another person. And I think it's also easier to accept help from someone else. And it's easy to do it with somebody that you know or somebody that you agree with. But the fact is, is that we're all trying to do this. And if you maybe hear the other perspective, maybe you have more of an understanding. Maybe you won't. But you will know the humanity that is around us. And I think it's important to try to take care of ourselves. With this concert, we're doing just a very small part being able to share our music and share our ideas and have a toy drive to help those who may not have much to give or to receive. We welcome anybody in the Oklahoma City area to come out for the concert on October 7th. And uh, please bring a toy so that we can help the children of Venezuela and enjoy a concert while you're there. Uh, it can be any toys. I mean, it, there doesn't need to be a price range. It can be something that's even maybe used in really good condition that you want to bring. Anything help. So I, I also just want to mention um, my mom, Beatriz Urbina, and my cousin, Josie Lopez, for just developing this whole thing. And also, I uh, want to give a thanks to Padre Briones um, from the church Iglesia Santo Tomas Moro for just letting all of this happen. Carl, Luis, thank you so much for joining me today on Spotlight. I'd like to also thank my other guests, Amanda Bleakley and Jan Hutchinson, Royce McClary, Dr. Brian Lamb and Dr. Danny Hansen, Jenny and Adam Brand, and Alexander Micklethwaite. As always, thank you for supporting Classical KUCO and making wonderful conversations like these possible. KUCO is committed to bringing you the best in local performing arts. Until next time, enjoy the arts.